Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. The podcast ain't nonsense. It's the Politics Show Pubcast, ladies and gentlemen. Release the hostages. <laughs> we can't. Fuck Hamas. What? <laughs> Yeah. Fuck Hamas. Yeah, fair. Jeez. He's fine now, baby. This is really I sausages. I didn't expect that at all. You've been seeing the Sorry. opposite. Sorry. Sure. Are you accusing me of being in breach of the Terror Act <laughs> and supporting Hamas? Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? I wouldn't want to accuse you of anything. James Cleverly's outside and he's here to arrest you. <laughs> How'd yourself in, son? <laughs> Believe that, it or not, the Home Secretary has powers of arrest. That time we went and walked my dogs during the 2019 general election has carried you no favour. Absolutely. And I must arrest you right now um, he, he had a bit of a time didn't he this morning I thought he did quite well do you know that there was even a conversation apparently um, well not a conversation someone from the fence said that they regretted <laughs> not giving the hardest man in politics to him really <laughs> and I was like is he just dignified is that it no is he like the TA or something he's in the what's the TA that's so like the office isn't it <laughs> that's so like what's Mackenzie Crook's character Gareth yeah it's like, I'm in the TA. <laughs> I think that's rude. Is, is he a reserve? Oh, the territorial army. So oh, right. It's like toy soldiers, dress-up soldiers. Did I ever tell you about my friend who was in the um, the RAF? He used to go on about it all the time as a reserve. It was in the press department. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service. You didn't find that out for ages. I was like, you're doing comms. <laughs> that's so good. Um, Golden Boys here. Hello. Back again. Do you think we can turn off that echo? It's gone, isn't it? Oh, I can hear it. It's not. It's not the TV. There's something. Maybe it's just the voices in my head. The voice in your head. <laughs> the Golden Boys here. Hello, Ed Campbell. Back. Once Back again. again. You can't keep a good man down. Renegade master. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Ava Santina. The butcher, apparently. Oh my god! Is your is your is your nickname according to the subreddit? <laughs> nice. That's good. Hot. I like the butcher. 
from your NSFW conversation on the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. But that means that, like, well, why I'm not the butcher. I don't think that... The butcher's boy. I don't think when you bend mm. over for someone, you become them. <laughs> it's like, a, like you Maybe suck their soul out of part. them. <laughs> Two souls <laughs> combine <laughs> in the act of making love. <laughs> anyway. So more than 50 Labour MPs voted <laughs> last night Yeah. Um, on this vote for a ceasefire. Ava, you uh, you interviewed Stephen Flynn a couple of days ago, who mm. put forward this motion. Um, more than fifty Labour MPs have rebelled to vote with him. Fifty-six, to be precise, uh, including some of the Labour front bench. Indeed, of which there has now been a swathe of resignations, mm. resignaciones. And if they haven't already resigned, then Starmer has to decide whether he's going to sack them. Uh, so Jess Phillips was the big was the big name. Mm. Um, she is um, Minister for Domestic Abuse. And she she wrote a very, very impassioned letter, actually, didn't she? she she's Birmingham Yardley. Mm. Um, wrote a very impassioned letter to Keir Starmer about why she couldn't support him. Very much, I still want to support your leadership, but I cannot. Cannot with good conscience. Well, the argument would be that you can't support his leadership at all if you don't have a seat. And mm. I don't think that her constituents would have let that go, let that slide, that she did not vote for that amendment last night. Yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't it, about Labour's electoral coalition, which, if they're going to win power, it is a coalition between middle-class liberals and working-class Muslims. And you're seeing in seats like Yardley Wood, in seats like Nashars in Bradford, where there are these substantial... Um, I think Kim, you, you tweeted, didn't you, about Kim uh, Ledbetter, and again, Batley and Spen very significant Muslim population there, the the electoral pressures. And it's not to say, by the way, that the only reason a Labour MP would vote for this is because they may lose their seat over it. Mm. There, there are many, obviously, who are voting in good conscience. But the electoral politics are directly relevant, aren't they? And if your constituents are demanding for a ceasefire, we live in a representative democracy and it is your job to represent their views, isn't it? Yeah, and Kim Ledbetter, I mean, I have it on excellent authority that she had told the whip she was not, she was going to vote for the amendment and then she changed her mind, it seems, a couple of hours before the vote. Actually, not even that. I think it was within the hour before mm. the vote uh, she changed her mind. She, she was down as a definite. The whips had already factored her in. This is the, this is the thing, isn't it, for the, the Keir Starmer's position on this, which is I don't know how long Labour's policy on it can hold. Because the vast majority, I, I, any expert in this, and I'm by no means an expert in this, I'm just repeating what I've read other people say, Israel's war aims, i.e. the eradication of Hamas, are essentially unachievable. If you look at the decades of this conflict, what happens when Israel operates militarily? They cannot wipe out armed Palestinian resistance. And what happens in their place come nastier, more vicious iterations of the same thing. So... Okay, you might, in in quotes, eradicate Hamas, but I mean, the leadership is, you're probably never going to still get the leadership. And if even if you do get rid of them, they're going to be replaced by something else. Okay, so if that's unachievable and the Labour Party's position is supporting the unachievable, it's going to have to come into contact with reality at some stage. Mm. And this, the vote last night, appears to possibly be the first instance of that happening. Yeah, I would agree with everything that you just said. What, what do we make of the people calling the SNP's amendment divisive? Oh, that yeah, that was... Um, so that was... Starmer's line. So Starmer and the Whip's argument to Labour MPs was, do not vote with this. This is just a way to split the party. And then a lot of MPs took that on and they were, they were preaching it out. I think it's quite disingenuous to purely paint it as divisive. 
Yeah. I mean, look, it's the calling for a ceasefire in that conflict is by no means, it's not a fringe position and it's not, people aren't just adopting that to try and drive a wedge between the parliamentary Labour Party. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that it can be a wedge for the parliamentary Labour Party speaks to the Labour Party's own political position on mm -hmm. this. Um, I think you'd have to be a bit naive to suggest that the SNP weren't trying to do that because mm -hmm. obviously they are. Uh, the SNP, I think people sometimes kind of, uh, English people misconstrue the fact that because the SNP and Labour are both opposition parties and both could be described as being to the centre-left, that therefore there's like a an alliance between the two. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they hate each other. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the reality of, you know, Scottish electoral politics mm. being what it is means that the SNP will not turn down an opportunity to make life difficult for Keir Starmer, his shadow cabinet, or the rest of the Parliamentary Labour Party. Yeah, so Starmer for about a week now has been telling his MPs that this is not a vote on a ceasefire, this is a vote on um, on division, this is a vote on the party, and this is about proving your loyalty to the party. That's been the line. I mean, it just so happens that this, that this big test has come with a, with a huge morality issue. Mm. Um, you know, if it was something like tax cuts you'd understand it. Mm. But when you're asking people to, to put their, yeah, their morality on the line over a ceasefire, just, it just comes off a bit crap, doesn't it? feels a bit like an emotional abuser. Prove your loyalty to me. Mm -hmm. Do something that's so resolutely against your conscience and morals and good intentions. Because you like me. There was some YouGov polling out today and they, they polled um, UK British, sorry, British Muslims um, over has this, um, do you have faith in Starmer after last night's vote? And it's around 50% say that they, they don't. That means 50% do. The, the, the British Muslim vote is still 64% Starmer and about 19% conservative. But then again, that, so that's the other thing I, do, I really don't like about this, this ceasefire argument is why the entire way it's been reported for the past couple of weeks since the conflict began, is that if you are pro-ceasefire, you're pro-stopping um, the aggression in Gaza, then you must be a British Muslim. Do you know? It's yeah. that the Labour MPs who are British Muslims, they're the factional side of the party. They're the people who are upset about this. It's, you know, you can't have, you can't just in good faith and good conscience go, hmm, I don't really like people dying, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? I think that's the, vast, the position of the vast majority of British people, to be quite honest with you, is, yeah. is anti-people dying. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Feels weird to have to state that, isn't it? Yeah. People don't object to the images they're seeing of uh, children. Being yeah. Killed. Well, oh, nearly five thousand children dead. Yeah. Oh. I'm against that personally. You Call fucking white knight. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a radical. I object to that. <laughs> Rock on, brother. Prescribe uh, me. I object to it. <laughs> yeah. I um. There's no. There is no. There is no path to a lasting peace without a ceasefire, right? Like it. It has to be. Um. There has to be justice for the Palestinian people, for the Israelis, and they're all for there to be a lasting peace and for there to be a ceasefire. And just saying there's going to be, you know, a temporary cessation in bombing before the bombing continues. No bueno. Mm. Extremely no bueno. Um, no, Angela Rayner nearly lost both of her PPSs last night. Mm. But she only lost one, Mary Foy. The other one was meant to vote for the ceasefire and chickened out at the last minute, according to the whips. Do, um, I think this is the end of the socialist campaign group in the shadow, shadow front bench. Am I right in saying that? Who was Hopkins and who's the other one? I think it would be might be a little bit. I think Hopkins might have already been on the way out. Yeah, and who can you you've got the list of names? I there. have got the list of names here. Who, would you like it's them? Hopkins and who are we looking at here? It is one, two, three. Yeah, Paula Barker 
Yeah, those two. Mm. So there's no more socialist campaign group in the, on the front bench. Well. Starmerites march on. Absolutely. What a surprise. But that, that probably is a, I mean, Starmer will be looking at that today and, think, and arguing that there's not many left of that campaign group anyway, so you don't need to keep convincing arms of the party to vote with you. Mm -hmm. And if anything, the past couple of weeks have proven that they will break away from you, no matter if you have someone on the front bench or not. Mm -hmm. So, because that's the only reason that you normally you normally invite someone who's factional onto the front bench, right? It's to whip them into to voting with you. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like Christian Wakeford, you know, when he um he got made a PPS, and then that means that he's a uh, under the wing of the party, he can't go, you know, he can't do any media appearance he'd like to. He can't, he can't run his the, mouth. He can't cross the floor back. He can't cross the floor he back. He can't become a conservative again. Can't do that. <laughs> because a constant threat. Yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> you win one by election, I cross the floor. <laughs> Renders it null. Yeah. The gentleman's agreement. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have never had it so good. It's the Politics Show podcast. I think there's some, some very um, moving contributions uh, in the house last night, weren't there? Mm. Um, Zara Sultana and Leila Moran probably uh, jump out to me, both of which are on the Politics Show YouTube channel for mm -hmm. anyone listening who wants to go and watch them. Leila Moran is definitely worth a watch. That was actually a really ugly... It was a really ugly procedural um, moment in Parliament. So, so Leila Moran introduced a point of order and during this point of order she wanted to um, talk about how she'd lost her first family member in the conflict um, in Gaza City. And she shared this horrible story. It was, you know, they were sheltering in a church. They didn't die from a bomb. She thinks they might have died of starvation. Jeez. I mean, absolutely harrowing. And then the speaker, Nigel Adams, interrupts her to say, Deputy Speaker, sorry, says, enough of that now. No, no, no. You can't finish your point. No, no, no. Sit down. Sit down. And it's like you've got this... This is this person who is trying to tell the House about, you know, probably one of the most traumatic things that could possibly happen to you. And the Speaker is trying to stick to procedure. Mm. At some point you go, yeah, God, let that one go. Mm. Let it go. Yeah. That's brutal. Nigel Adams. He was like, it's not a point of order. This is not a matter for the chair. Mm. I do apologise. We sympathise. I wrote a story about him years ago. Puff piece. Creative, creative no, creative. he's been, yeah, <laughs> short story. Short story. It's a juicy <laughs> English portfolio. Um, no, he had been bankrupted um, by legal fees and wasn't eligible for legal aid, um, but had voted, obviously, relentlessly with the Tories to, to cut legal aid. So, hmm. 
wrote, wrote that up. Oh. Did some did some pages. That's a real him sowing versus him reaping, isn't uh-huh. it? Yeah, and people love that. Yeah, especially when you like. Try, there's lots of that though. Like imagine him like now trying to get a dentist appointment, stuff like that. Well, I suspect that the speaker's salary allows him to just you know have his own dentist. Do they get extra money for being the speaker? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's got, he'll be, he has his MP salary, won't he? So he's got like 88 grand on that. You know, I would have thought that would at least do a hygienist once a year. Yeah, that'd be good, at least. Yeah. Um, What happens next, Ava, for these people that have left the front bench? Will they be a thorn in the side of Keir Starmer? Mm, I don't think so. I think that Starmer's going to come out with. um, So last night they laid a motion that was um, (laughs) similar to what the Tories are already you know planning for a humanitarian pause and I think the Starmer will push ahead with this is we want a humanitarian pause and we want more accurate timings of when these humanitarian pauses are going to be um I don't think they're going to be a thorn in his side Mm. at all I think he's going to completely just like knock them off I saw Jonathan Reynolds post a no was it Reynolds no it's Jonathan Ashworth posted like a really um, like pleading Instagram reel where he was like, I have voted for an enduring cessation to hostilities. Mm. Like over, he wrote that down like three times in the caption. And it, and it was basically him. <laughs> he was spinning the fact that he hadn't voted for a ceasefire, but he was backing a humanitarian pause. And it just came across as so sort of like pleading. Uh, it was quite uh, undignified. Well, I think the main, the main feeling that they all have is, it, I think there's a lot of embarrassment among a lot of the MPs, but then it's it, it, it sort of it speaks to your strength of conviction, right? If you really do feel for it or not, like can you really vote for it in good conscience? Mm-hmm. But the, what will be interesting is how this is now used in the upcoming election. So mm-hmm. West Streeting is a marginal seat. It, it he does have a marginal seat. That's what it is. Um, he also is in a constituency with a very high Muslim population. This could now be posted and fly posted everywhere. Like your mm. this MP would not vote for a ceasefire, and you know at best I don't think it will bring out a new socialist candidate. I don't think, think there is a socialist candidate running in the constituency, but it could do enough damage to split the vote, and it would mean the shadow health secretary doesn't get in. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, I think this is an, an incredibly revealing episode in Labour Party politics, and how. Um, mad it can be at times because what is this um what is this what is this vote right it's a vote on an amendment that hasn't passed so will not affect yep. uh government policy mm. at mm. all even if it had passed whether or not the british government called for a ceasefire would have no bearing on 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 whether or not the idf went for one and yet it has resulted in 56 labor mp's rebelling 10 of the shadow front bench resigning and in terms of actual pragmatism, in terms of practical reality, um, does it change anything? No, it does not. It's purely symbolic. And I think mm-hmm. that's very interesting. But I, also, I also think he's hedging his bets that it won't affect polling either, mm. to be quite honest. Well, did you see that poll that put, put them 27 points up since David Cameron's been... Oh, so I th- yeah, I, they're I, flying. I, th- I, th- I think this just won't affect... I think this is Starmer kind of digging in and saying, look, I'm, I'm the guy. This is... Be loyal to me. Because I don't need you. I think that's what I think that's the expect. That's what he's doing. Because I don't think this will. He will lose, perhaps lose a few votes, but he won't lose. It's not. It's not like the Conservatives are massively pro ceasefire. It's two. It's two anti ceasefire parties competing against each other, and mm-hmm. people are going to hold their nose and still vote Labour. That's his calculation. That's always been yeah. his calculation, right? Is is the uh, 
the left-wing side of the party and its electoral base that he's re- relentlessly alienating and, and purging and then waging a war on, that he can win an election because those people have no one else to vote for. But, but that, I don't know if that calculation extends to the um, working-class Muslim part of his coalition that I referenced earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will stick around in relation to this. So. How, ma- how many, well, I wonder how many seats that affects. If you're, if you're on for, at the moment, 200 seat majority, mm. you could probably afford to lose 40, if, if that affects I mean, it at all. Afford to lose 199, right? Say that again. You can afford to lose 199. Yes, true, true. It's just, it's in- incredible because the big point that Starmer was trying to hammer in last week was let's not make this um, amendment about Labour. Let's not make the story on Wednesday about Labour. And it's all we're talking about. And I yeah. think it's when you're talking about how he digs in his heels. Yes, he is incredibly stubborn. His his personality is to be stubborn. And it's like at some point over the last week, we've heard from how many shadow front benches, you know, David Lammy is trying his best to believe in what he's saying and you know he doesn't. At some point that is going to wear off, isn't it? And is going to wear thin. Mm. It's a very like Peter Mandelson style politics, right? Which is like, I am going to set the tone and you are all going to sing with me. When I say Mm. jump, you say how high, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of the the strongest things he has going for him is the way that once he makes, once he's decided on a course of action, he is relentless uh, in pursuing it. You know, I think I may have mentioned this before in the podcast, but it wasn't uh, uh, a sure thing that he could purge Corbyn from the party and that there wouldn't be dire electoral consequences of that for the Labour Party. Um, it was a gamble, for sure, not least electorally, but also for the Parliamentary Labour Party. He took that gamble and has been utterly ruthless in the pursuit of achieving that end. Um, I think you can... I wouldn't describe him as a gambler, but I, I would say that once he makes a decision... He is dogged uh, in, in pursuing it, and I think it's one of the, the strongest aspects of him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Total rhubarb. It's the Politics Show podcast. Ava, we're talking a lot about uh, electoral politics and the, the sort of how the next election is going to play out. One of the bit parts, maybe not a bit part actually, because I think in 2019 the Brexit Party and in the next general election um, reform have a very significant part to play. If we look at the most recent by-elections, the amount of votes that reform secured was the strength of the majority that removed Conservative candidates. So, obviously, 2019, Brexit only stand against Labour. In the next general election, that's not going to be the case. They're going to contest everywhere, and they're polling between 9 and 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit more well, about they, that. They've got the potential to actually um, to, to affect around 100 Conservative seats if they stand in those areas. You know, that that's a it's a huge difference because they really have the potential to split the vote if they do run. But what's interesting, so Nigel Farage has just gone into the jungle. I was talking to a couple of reform people about, you know, just, you know, chit chat. Why do you, why is Nigel going into the jungle? Do you think this is going to be good for the reform party? What time will I see you at the pub on the weekend? Yeah, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. So apparently what the plan is, is he goes into the jungle, he recourts public opinion um, comes out quite favourable. They go into the general election. They come out of the general election with a, between 9 to 11% of the vote, which they probably won't get any seats and that they've already kind of accepted that we're not going to win any seats. However, they think that's a big enough proportion of the vote to call for proportional representation. So after the next general election, Nigel Farage's big pledge or his new Brexit will be PR. 
So he'll be campaigning for that with the same, I guess, veracity that he did Brexit. Mm. So that will mean that Carol Vorderman and Nigel Farage are fighting for the same end. Do you think so? Is that Carol Vorderman joining reform? <laughs> That's the big takeaway. <laughs> but funny enough, so her name actually came up. I said, well, you've got, I said, well, there's a, there's a lot of people fighting for PR. I didn't think that that would be something that you guys would go for. And they mm. were like, oh, I know, I know. We, we, we know all about Carol Vorderman and what she's doing. I thought, are you, are you guys going to twin up? Do you, know, do you know what's good? That he'll have a really concrete example of this. Because I imagine the voting on I'm a Celebrity is PR. I can't imagine they're saying any first past the post. Right. Isn't, there's no constituency basis. It's a strict party so be a list. Good argument for it. Party list. Open list. And you can see, you can say, I wouldn't have won I'm a Celebrity if I had to convince 50,000 people in Gloucestershire. I do like that about referenda, that you get people from complete ends, opposite ends of the political spectrum, often campaigning yeah. on, the same, on the same side. Yeah, pe- I, pe- people should be aware of that, you know. It's um, you can you you can you can scream until the cows come home about how there's a democratic deficit because of first past the post, and that's true. But one of the great, I think probably the strongest case for first past the post is the way that it excludes the extremes from electoral politics. It makes it incredibly hard to enter the House of Commons, Parliament, from a fringe position. Mm-hmm. Like it, it basically it basically excludes you. You know, UKIP is obviously the great example. You know, huge huge electoral support but because it's so geographically dispersed mm-hmm. unable to translate that into seats Nigel standing seven times never getting in mm-hmm. um, and if you want to I don't know people should just be conscious that whatever political persuasion they are maybe they're on the right maybe they're on the left that it will mean that your political opponents are much better represented electorally and the other downside of it as well is that with you, with all of that distribution all of that various political parties you then end up in a much more sort of coalition based system of governance which is far less stable than you know a traditional two party mm-hmm. system there was a big yeah all of the all of the commentariat talk is he's going back into the jungle because he wants to put, he wants to run as an mp again and this would be a good way to put his name out there stupid talk ridiculous <laughs> nigel farage is one of the greatest campaigners of our time. He might be one of the most influential people in British politics. Yeah. Oh, 100%. R- right. To oh. sort of debase him and to, to, to diminish him, to, to say, oh, he just wants guy. to get a seat in the House of Commons. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wants no, to change no. the country again. He wants to change the country again. And also, Grow up. he wants a fat paycheck. Um, that's, the, that's the thing, isn't it? The, um, you, I think... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just thought, I was like, could there be something he could do... do more easily, like something less taxing than doing I'm a Celebrity. And I just thought of him doing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd, be, he'd be manager, surely. He's not on the pitch. <laughs> Imagine him, him and like Dermot O'Leary <laughs> lining up together for soccer. Belting out the anthem. Explaining to Usain Bolt who Nigel Farage is. No, of course he'd know who he is. But you know, you're sounding like um, you know some of my favorite favorite programming. Uh, but whenever some of my favorite programming interviews Nigel Farage, the tone that they use towards him is it, it's as if they can kind of speak him into irrelevance, or they yeah. try to patronize him, and it just it actually just sounds it, it sounds quite thick when you do that. Most influential British politician since Blair, I think you go Thatcher, Blair, Farage. And the thing that's most extraordinary about Farage is that he's done it without ever sitting in the Houses of Parliament. Mm. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Nice. Thank you very much for listening to the Politics Show podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.